You may be seated. And please pray with me, if you will. Lord, we praise you for the opportunity to be in worship of you today and with each other. Grant that your word might be heard today, whether it is through me or in spite of me, O Lord. We say all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. In reflecting on his life in his memoir, Hannah's Child, the theologian Stanley Howross explains in depth his experiences alongside his first wife, Anne. Early in their marriage, uh, Anne started to suffer from an extreme case of bipolar disorder. And Howross recounts some of the pain he felt um, as his wife um, suffered, uh, causing his, her relationship with him and her relationship with uh, their son, Adam, were affected. Anyone who has suffered from mental illness, no matter how severe, may understanding the feeling of loneliness that Anne felt as the mental illness led her to experience the world in a way that made her feel like she was the only one in it. How Ross writes, How would I be able to know, for example, whether I have told the truth about my marriage to Anne? I tried very hard to write sympathetically about her. I wanted those who knew her, as well as those who would know her only through what I'd written, to recognize that her life was filled with pain. Part of the terror of being mentally ill is how the very qualifier mental makes it difficult to recognize that someone suffering from bipolar illness is in pain. Put differently, pain does not seem an adequate description for the kind of suffering those with mental illness must endure, but they do suffer. At least one aspect of their suffering is the result of our inability to comprehend their suffering. In the claim of reason, Stanley Cavill observes, part of the difficulty in treating psychotics is the inability one has in appreciating their world, and hence in honoring them as persons. The other part of the difficulty comes in facing how close our world is at times in dreams to theirs. Um, Harold goes on and says, This is a remark that reminds us how fragile the world we call sane may be. It is a fragility, moreover, that makes us all the more determined to distance ourselves from those who suffer from mental illness. Such reflection from Hal Ross uh, reminds us the difficulty we find in understanding when people suffer uh, mentally or spiritually. With regard to someone who has been physically hurt or is suffering from a physical illness, it is often much easier to see and sympathize with them. For example, my father had an extensive shoulder surgery um, this past year, and I watched as many others came up to them and they had been through that surgery or they were able um, to understand what that surgery was like because of their loved ones. Um, and then the fact that he was in a sling made it easy for them to anticipate what sort of difficulties might be facing. Another example is that one of my friends um, had to have some surgery on her leg, and so she was on crutches for a while. Um, but during school, her doctor had told her that even after she felt good enough to kind of walk on her own, um, to use crutches because uh, if she were to be pressed into a crowd, she might injure herself. And having crutches made it easy for people to see that she was uh, having a challenge walking, and so she was able to stay safe. The difference with mental illnesses, however, as Howross notes, is that the experience is unable to be seen 
or, um, or noticed as easily. Even when we have gone through similar situations, um, it is hard to see that and understand. And sometimes even hard to believe that someone is being honest um, or to accept that they're truly having trouble. Uh, mental illnesses can affect one's perception of the world and their entire comprehension of what is going on in their lives around them. Um, if we think about being in different worlds, I want you to think about a time that you have a dispute or an argument with another person. Often we, we come into arguments or conversations with different concerns or even drastically different worldviews. And so when we talk with someone or we try to argue with someone, a lot of the, the problem is that we have difficulty in appreciating their world or where they're coming from. And this is why we have, a lot of times we'll have people that mediate. Um, really, it's not, it's not mediators aren't necessarily solving problems, but they're merely helping translate and help us to step in between two worlds. Um, mental and spiritual sicknesses or challenges are especially discouraging or frustrating at times because it is quite difficult to explain what is going on for someone and for those that are listening to truly understand what is being said. Oftentimes, we may not even have the language to explain what we are dealing with. For example, young children, before they uh, start to learn how to speak, m might cry out, but their parents may be frustrated because they're not able to understand whether they're crying out from pain, hunger, exhaustion, or any number of things. The, instance, the instances take those who suffer and us, when we go through these challenges, out of the more or less general or normative way in which we experience the world, and they put us in a place that is where it's hard to be known, where we feel like we're the only ones there. And so we find ourselves abandoned, facing tough circumstances without any help. Now, this sense of being abandoned, alone, or forsaken is an experience that's common with many people, but in our culture, it's often difficult to actually share that and, how, and communicate that. And so we imagine that we may be the only person in the world that has experienced a mental or spiritual challenge. Um, I want to reassure you that if you're going through that today, um, statistics show that many people report suffering from any number of um, mental challenges, uh, such as uh, depression, um, schizophrenia, anxiety, loneliness, um, and the list continues. And I also know from my own personal experience that um, I've been through lots of mental challenges, and I know many friends that have gone through similar struggles. So know that you are not alone in facing these challenges. But the problem with that is that so often we feel like we are alone. And there's many cases where we might even feel that, that God isn't with us, that we're praying for healing or rescue, and, and God isn't even listening to us. This is, this is the, the message that our, our psalmist is addressing. This is the situation he finds himself in as he writes um, our scripture for today. I, I'd invite you to turn with me, if you will, uh, to Psalm 22, um, which can be found on page 500 in the Old Testament of our pew Bibles. Um, I'll read Psalm 22, starting with verses 1 through 2, and then I'll jump over to verses si verse 16. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. For dogs are all around me, a company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. 
They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothings among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me, O Lord, from the mouth of the lion. But from the horns of the wild oxen you have rescued me. And I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, the Lord, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. And all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the psalmist finds himself in a difficult situation and cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's surrounded by enemies to his left and to his right, by darkness above and below him. And the psalmist uses physical imagery in the psalm to capture the experience for the hearer. But whether we literally find ourselves alone in the wilderness, surrounded by our enemies, persecuted by swords, or threatened by wild animals... Um, the same terror accompanies uh, situations in which we suffer in this physical way or if we're suffering or find ourselves abandoned mentally or spiritually. And this terror is that we no longer have God with us. And we definitely don't have any friends or community surrounding us. But the Hebrews passage we read earlier may give us some encouragement, reminding us that Jesus is the one who can understand our pain. Um, Hebrew 4.15 said that, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin. In fact, this psalm is memorable perhaps for you because in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, we see Jesus utter the same opening words of the psalmist, hanging on the cross, abandoned by his friend and his people. Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus experienced his abandonment, this forsakenness, as the disciples abandon him, and he is executed for a crime which he did not commit. It was so deep an experience of of abandonment that Jesus cries out as he lay dying, as if God had abandoned him as well. That Jesus experienced the same abandonment faced by the psalmist and faced by us as we go through our struggles and challenges in life, um, it may give us comfort. It can remind us that we are not alone in our suffering. There is one who knows where we are and can sympathize with us, understanding the gravity and terror of our challenges and pains. 
However, just knowing that someone else ha- is suffering from the same malady or pain that you are is not necessarily encouraging. What we find encouraging this is to know that there are people who have been rescued from these challenges, healed from these pains, or learning to work with the struggle. And the good news is that we see in the psalm it is not a psalm of pure lament. Rather, it is a narrative, a story of God's rescue amidst affliction. The psalmist starts by declaring his pain of feeling forsaken and abandoned by God. And then he describes how many challenges and dark forces surround him. But suddenly we see that the psalmist declares from the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. God rescued the psalmist from the wild oxen. And this leads him into worship and praise amidst the full community of God's faithful and beloved. Not only does the psalm realize that God has been with him, that God is rescuing him amidst affliction, and that he's not alone or abandoned by God, but he finds that God brings him into a congregation, a community, into the family of God. A family which loves its people by supporting them and participating in the acts of God's gracious rescue of those in affliction. Praise for God erupts as the psalmist experiences God's presence with him and God's rescue. Jesus' utterance of these opening words bring the psalm's narrative in conversation with the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Jesus may have felt abandoned on the cross, but this sense of forsakenness, this loneliness amidst trouble, is not the end of the story. Praise be to God, for Jesus reigns victorious over the powers of sin and death. In the grace present in baptism, we share in Christ's death and suffering, but we also share in Christ's victory over all those dark forces, the powers of sin and death. We can participate in God's rescue because our God is the God of deliverance. Our God will and is delivering us. Stanley Howross's narration of his experience with Anne as she suffered from bipolar disorder more or less ended when she left him, suffering from anger born out of Howross's inability to be in the world which she found herself in. She was hospitalized later after she was left in a desperate place where suicide seemed like the only option. Howross reflects speaking with his dear friend John, saying, even worse as I explained to John, was my deep sadness that Anne was now absolutely alone. But John spoke wisely and said, no, she's not. God is with her. And he says that we then prayed for her, and I believe that God was and is with Anne. We know God is with us. We know God is with us in our bondage because we see how God rescued the Israelites from uh, slavery and death in Egypt and led them to a new land. We know God is with us in our wandering because God led the Israelites through the desert in clouds of fire and smoke. We know God is with us when we walk uh, difficult journeys across this earth and through life because God came among us in the flesh of Jesus Christ and walks with us. We know God is with us in our sickness or when we face those demons which threaten our bodies, hearts, or souls because God came among us and healed our sicknesses and cast out our demons. 
We know God is with us when we are surrounded by enemies because Jesus was persecuted by those who wished him dead, who desired his ministry to end. We know God is with us as we face abandonment because he was abandoned by his friends. We know God is with us when we face death because God paid the ultimate price, laying down his life on the cross for our sake. Christ has been where we are, and we know, as the author of Hebrews tells us, that our high priest, our great king, is one who is not unable to sympathize us. We have Jesus, and he has been where we are. He knows what it's like to suffer, what it's like to be abandoned. And so I offer this encouragement to those who feel abandoned, those who are going through trials, and it feels as if even God is not listening to you or hearing your cry. I know there's pain now, but there will come a day when you will find rescue, when you will be rescued by our Lord and Savior. And this may be hard to believe now, but I, I challenge you to hear the witness of the Scriptures, hear the witness of our ancestors in faith, Hear the witness of your church family and even the uh, ways in which God has rescued you from challenges. There will be a day when you can fully believe and be aware that God is with you. There will be a day when God will wipe away your tears and you will be able to stand with the people of God and praise God for God's deliverance. God is with you. God will rescue you. I also want to offer a challenge to those who may not find themselves in struggles right now. Um, God's presence in our lives also gives us the opportunity and the calling to participate in God's gracious and merciful act of rescue. In baptism, we share in Christ's death and resurrection, but we are also filled with the Holy Spirit that we might participate in God's mighty acts of rescue. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Pentecost, that um, event in the church when God poured forth his Holy Spirit upon those believers gathered in Jerusalem that they might be God's vessels for work in the world. But Pastor Jeff challenged us to remember that rather than um, just thinking of Pentecost as a one-time event, we can know that we are called as the body of Christ to be a Pentecostal people. That is, we are filled with the Holy Spirit to do God's work in the world. Remember the words of our baptisms. The pastor prays over the water and then baptizes the individual, saying, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is within us and is working in us and through us. So we are called and consecrated to be vessels for God's work in the world. The psalmist explained that God did not despise, nor does he despise, the or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. And God does not hide his face from those who cry. Further, in the congregation of God's people, we see that the poor shall eat and be satisfied. Or you might say that the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. In the congregation, there is to be no people who suffer or face affliction on their own. We, as the people of God, can support each other and all the people of the earth. And so I want to share three ways real quickly that we can think about how to support each other in our affliction. First of all, a lot of people face physical afflictions or illnesses. Um, it's, it's good 
as, as the body of Christ, as his church family, to pray for them, to call them, to visit with them, and be with them. Um, Pastor Jeff sends out a prayer list, prayer list each week, and this is a great way to see who you can pray for or see who is suffering. And even if you don't know them, you could reach out to them and say, hey, I'm a member of your church, or you could reach out to anyone you know who is suffering and say, listen, God has loved me, and I want to um, support you and remind you that um, I'm with you, and, and God is empowering me um, to work with you as God's vessel. Um, there's also a way you can uh, support people. Uh, every Wednesday night at 6 p.m., we gather in the chapel for our Vespers healing service, and we'll pray together and sing together, and we'll pray over people that are suffering, and then um, we anoint with oil so that we can pray for healing. Another way we can support people that are afflicted is those that are afflicted by poverty. Um, this church partners with many people, uh, uh, many organizations in High Point, uh, the Macedonia Family Resource Center, Ward Street Mission, um, and Open Door Ministries, just to name a few. Um, and being involved in those are all ways that we can participate in supporting those who are afflicted by poverty. Um, I've also spent a lot of time talking about how we are afflicted mentally and spiritually. Um, it, it, it's so easy for people who are suffering in that way um, to, to kind of suffer on their own, to suffer silently. And so a way that I've found that is really helpful to be able to support and be with my um, friends and my sisters and brothers in Christ is to, is to ask them how they're doing, but try to get beyond that, um, that kind of surface-level response, that uh, saying, how are you doing, and then responding, fine. Um, this takes courage. This takes courage on the part of the one who's asked and the, the person who is, um, who is listening to the other. Um, vulnerability is difficult, and it's, it's hard to share our, our uh, deep feelings and our deep challenges. But I promise you that uh, if you open up, if you ask them, where have you found joy, or uh, where are you seeing God lately, or how can I pray for you, um, it's, a, it's a good way to support and, and go... Um, deeper in community with each other. And this is important because so often we need reminders that we're not alone, that God is with us, and that our family, our church family, the, the beloved of God, the great congregation of God's people is with us. So the good news, my friends and my sisters and brothers, is that God is with us, and the Holy Spirit is empowering us to participate in God's act of rescue and presence. Please pray with me. Oh God, it feels so painful sometimes. We feel abandoned by others and even by you. We face so many difficulties and apparently it seems as if we're all by ourselves. But help us to remember that you are with us. Help us to remember the words Jesus tell, tells us saying that I am with you, he says, even unto the end of the age. Help us to remember that and live into that. Give us eyes to see and hearts to feel your presence with us. And we also pray that um, you support us, empower us to be kind to our neighbor. Help us to see and where they are and listen to where they are. And even when we cannot understand, to have the courage and strength to walk with them and, and to be with them. We can confidently pray this in the name of Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit, which you rain down on us, filling us to overflowing. Amen.